Well, hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is titled Sacred Activism, and it's going to take us down many different avenues. And before we get started on this, also, I'd like to remind you that we are in still in our little makeshift studios um, during what is the pandemic time where we're doing social distancing for our recording and we're getting very creative. But I am in really good hands with my awesome grandson who is at the tech board and making sure that the sound is good. But please forgive us if you hear noises in the background from life's activities that are happening around us in our very um, unofficial studio. Okay, so like I said, today's podcast is titled Sacred Activism, and actually this teaching theme for this week actually had a lot of competition for its name. For instance, um, so some of the subtitles could be How to Be Kind, Yet Have Boundaries, How to Be an Ally Without Being Guilted into Silence. So you start to see what we're going to be talking about here because a lot of us feel that when we use our voices... We are not being kind. And so we're going to talk about that and why it's important when we start to move into a place of sacred activism, why it's important that our passion and our calling and our call to social justice, social justice moves us to elevate our voices, to increase the kindness in this world. So let's start with just talking about what is sacred activism, because I'm sure you've heard the word activist, and sometimes there's a negative connotation with just the word activist. If someone describes themselves, you could use it negatively, like you say, oh, that person's an activist. So you think that they are almost antagonistic just because, just, just to upset the status quo. Well, the reality is that the status quo often lives in comfort zones. The status quo is about how people live in their comfortable means, and if it means that they have to scooch over in the table of humanity, that that's not comfortable for them. So they see activism as a, as a, in a negative way. So if we put the word sacred with activism, all of a sudden those of us who do spend quite a bit of our lives don't, d- devoted to some kind of activist movement and cause, we understand that that's coming from a deeper place inside us that's connected to the holy. So it's not just about being antagonistic. It's about moving humanity forward. And sometimes that might lend, lead people to believe it's antagonistic. If you're the one that has to, has to scoot, scoot over or you're being perceived that somehow your rights are being hampered upon so that someone else can have uh, their rights. And that isn't the same as, as asking for someone else to have human rights. So for instance, what I mean for that, when we, we as uh, Americans, many of us, especially in the white communities, are afforded rights that what we consider are inalienable rights. And but however, when you look at marginalized populations, whether it's the the black, indigenous, people of color populations, uh, immigrants, people like that, if you ask them 
if they feel like they have equal rights, the large majority will tell you that they don't because the, the statistics prove that that is the case. So just because someone in this country is asking for basic human rights that, that elevate their, their rights to the same as yours and mine doesn't mean that, it's, that your rights are marginalized. There's a perception there. So the, the, this is about claiming the word, word activism into a place where it is sacred, where it is holy, where it is meaningful, where it is part of working for the good of the whole. So I want to start about talking about sacred activism by quoting Andrew Harvey, and I'll explain a little bit more about if, if you don't know who he is, I'll put a link to his, what, his website in the show notes for this week. But here's what he writes in, on his website about sacred activism. And I quote, a spirituality that is only private and self-absorbed, one devoid of an authentic political and social consciousness does little to halt the suicidal juggernaut of history. So in other words, when I read that, I, this is me talking now, not Andrew. So I'm interrupting his quote. I love what he says here about does little to halt the suicidal juggernaut of history because it is up to us to look at history, see these invitations where tension resides to step through and create a new world for everyone. So what he's saying here is if we are self-absorbed, nothing will ever change. Spirituality should be compelling us to work for the good of the whole. Okay, back to Andrew's quote, and I begin his quote again. On the other hand, an activism that is not purified by profound spiritual and psychological self-awareness and rooted in divine truth, wisdom, and compassion will only perpetuate the problem it is trying to solve, however righteous is its intentions. When, however, the deepest and most grounded spiritual vision is married to a practical and pragmatic drive to transform all existing political, economic, and social institutions, a holy force, the power of wisdom and love in action is born. This force I define as sacred activism, end quote. So during my five years of studying biblical studies first and then on to world religions and then on to two years in seminary, Andrew Harvey's teachings, they resonated with me so deeply. And he had, he had a huge impact in my life that continues through to today. And I also am very drawn to his teachings on sacred activism. He actually has an institute called the Foundation for the Institute uh, for Sacred Activism. And that's to teach people who want, who desire to turn their spirituality and their passion and their calling into action. How do you do that? How do you bring those two together the way Andrew and millions of us believe that that's the way you're supposed to show up? So for, and some of you have heard this story before, especially if you attended uh, some of my master classes where I talk about my sacred activism has shown up in my life in various forms because I've worked in animal welfare for years and in various other causes, but I had never heard that term before. I did not consider that work as being something that was sacred. And I also want to point out that that doesn't necessarily mean religious. So some words have automatic, people automatically assume that when you talk about holy, sacred, spirituality, divine, any of those words 
that you are somehow linking it to some kind of religious institution, and that could not be farther from the case, my friends. Remember, I am on a spiritual but not religious journey. Sacredness is the, the reverence of a human and our commitment to improving the human condition. And not just the human condition, whether it's taking care of the earth, taking care of the other beings in, on the earth, our, our, the sentient beings and our, the animals, the environment. All of that is sacred work. That's, that's about our acknowledging our connection with one to another. That's a sacred connection. So we can look at how this impacts our lives and how those passions compel us into action. And one of the things that one of my dear friends uh, often said, which really resonated with me deeply was, if you're not sure what exactly it is that you are being called to do, just look at what breaks your heart. What just, when you hear about this, this pain or this tragedy or this experience of someone, what breaks your heart? Those are your cues, my friends. I, so often when I'm when I after I do a video or something people will leave comments that say things like I don't know why I'm crying right now I don't know why I wasn't planning on crying today great my makeup's messed up for the day and the reason that they're that they're crying or that they're emotional at that time is because of the soul's recognition of that's pointing you to something about your truth something about your path. Okay, so that was kind of a side note, but back to sacred activism. So all of us can look at humans that throughout history that have had impactful changes in our lives. And I think it's very poignant that I wrote this uh, podcast um, text several weeks ago, but it, we're actually recording it on Dr. Martin Luther King Day, and I've I've uh, included him as one of the people that I consider one of the massive change makers in our world. So I included him along with Gandhi and the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks, and Desma Tutu. Those are people that I find their work as being some of the most sacred, selfless work because of what they did to fight oppressive systems and elevate the rights of people who have endured those systems for throughout the years. So their work long has long lived past them. I think out of all, everybody I say there, um, Desmond Tutu is the only one, but the Dalai Lama is still alive, um, is the only one living. So, you know, there's, we have to consider not just those, those big moments and those larger than life humans that just elevated the human condition to the point where they are memorialized forever to, to the point where we honor them with a day like we have today with Dr. Martin Luther King. So those, that type of sacred activism is very easy to identify because it's, I'm sure that as I name those names, you probably know something about each one of them. And, and I'll put a link to the, in the show notes for each one of them if you, if you don't know, because they're, uh, they're some incredible humans. But what does sacred activism look for you and I? Just the, average, just the average person on the local level, in your religious or spiritual community, in your home, in your schools, 
Because while the Gandhis and the Dr. Kings of the world, of course, can inf influence monumental and significant change, it's the everyday sacred activist that has the ability to create that same momentum that moves us toward a kinder and compassionate world. So in other words, the reason that you have those people who lead the movement is because those of us who answer the call to sacred activism to change the con human condition to change what needs what what is broken on the local level so never minimize your contribution to these kinds of these kinds of movements because we are all needed you are all needed it's not just one person so one of the big things that sacred activism also reminds us is that once we have become aware of something that's a tragedy, that's an injustice, that needs, that is definitely broken, we have two options. We have the option to move towards it, or we have the option to pretend we don't know and fall back asleep. So that rejection of awareness is a conscious decision to move away from that which we have been called. Because once we know about it, and we decide that we're going to move back into our place of comfort, that's a conscious decision where we have decided not to accept that call to action. And I do believe that there are times in our lives, now we can't we can't be everything to everybody. You might have several things that break your heart. I know I certainly do. I have a passion for children and I have a passion for animals, but I learned a long time ago, I can't save all the animals and I can't adopt all the children. We're, we're only one person. But if we are, if we're doing our part in the, our lane and in doing what we are responsible for, moving that cause just a little farther down the road, so that this world becomes a more humane, compassionate world, then we are contributing to the good of the whole. So I don't want anybody to ever think that you have to spend 24-7, 365 days a year working on all these variable causes. That's not what sacred activism is. Sacred activism is a commitment basically to not go back to sleep, to once you have become aware that you are going to stay awake. But here's where we're going to take a sharp left from talking about call to action and sacred activism and your purpose in life and your calling and how you're going to help this world heal. We're going to talk about the one of the subheadings of this week's title. And remember, we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. So this is January 18th. And on January 6th, our nation experienced an attack on our on our nation's capital. So for those of us who are working in the social justice movements, who are allies, about, who are now very much concerned about our democracy, there is a sense of urgency about how we approach our work. So across my platforms, you may have noticed it. I have elevated my, my voice just a tick higher. And if certainly in my, my videos and my writings, no longer am I mincing words. I might have been trying to be a little bit more delicate in how I said some things before that attack and no more am I doing that. And the, the response to those videos where I'm 
talking about how we got to January 6th, how we, uh, uh, Christianities in particular in America has become radicalized to the point that you have people praying, standing on top of Mike Pence's desk. And there's a new video out there. If you haven't seen it, I'll, put, I'll post a link to the show notes on that as well. So make sure that you go back to episode 19 if you haven't heard that yet where I talk about the radicalization of American Christianity and its role in the state of our nation because that's, that's very important. But back to this not mincing words. Here is what I want to say to you. You can be kind and still be an ally. You can be kind and use your voice and your resources to push back against oppression and any phobic belief or ideology that oppresses or mar- marginalizes any human. And you can be kind and still call out racism, homophobia, sexism, patriarchy, ho- uh, xenophobia, bullying, and so on. This, this is a com- one of my, the most common questions I get asked particularly after I post a, post a, building, a, a video where I'm pushing back on any kind of racist, homophobic, or sexist belief. And sometimes I'm posting a video about all of those. But one of the most common questions I'll get is, I really appreciate your voice. And I appreciate what you're doing and the way you are able to do it using a kind voice. I'm really trying to learn how to do that. And I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. So there's some iteration of those kinds of questions that come up. But every time I see one, especially these past two weeks, every time I see one, it does give me pause. Because those kinds of questions and many of the comments, it's always an opportunity for self-reflection. Am I staying in my lane? I know I elevated my sense of urgency about what I'm talking about now. Because now we have seen how, what happens when hatred takes action? Now we have seen that within our country. So the first thing I think of when people label me as being kind in my videos, as being kind in my responses, the first thing I have to ask myself is yes. I, I have to ask myself, have I been? And I can come back and say, yes, I have. Because even if I am calling out racism, sexism, homophobia, whatever it is that I'm calling out because I'm asking for social social justice and equity for, we're asking for basic human rights for everyone in this country. It is not offensive or it should not be offensive to you if I am asking for those rights, even if they compromise your religious beliefs. Because somewhere along the line in this country, Religious belief, beliefs, primarily Christian beliefs, came, became the filter through which politics were man, enforced and mandated. Legislation, legislation became active through that lens. That's why you had people who um, opposed the end of slavery by justifying it with scripture, opposed women voting by justifying it in scripture, and, be, and the people praying at the Capitol after they just literally abused police officers and entered illegally into the Capitol, and yet they're praying in the Senate room. So because that's a justification. So what happens is the the mirror of America right now that we're looking into shows us that there is a belief that religion, the religious belief is about the Christian belief being protected. 
And anything that you do to elevate the human condition for basic human rights, for LGBTQIA humans, for black humans, for BIPOC, whatever it is, is compromising those religious beliefs. When in reality, if we're separating those out and look at this just from basic human rights, there, that should be the beacon for which this country stands. So that's what a lot that is happening here. And so when I defend, when I protect that I am an ally and I'm using my voice and I'm using my influence to stand up as an ally, people will accuse me of being cruel. People will accuse me of calling them vile things. Well, it's... I'm giving them, I'm also, I'm also offering them a mirror because if you're using your religious beliefs to justify the suppression of anyone, that's a phobic belief. And you can keep that phobic belief. That's yours to keep if that's what you want to do and that's how your household runs and that's how your church runs. That's absolutely fine. But when it's mired in politics, that's where the human rights element comes into play. And so we have to make sure that phobic beliefs are not being used to mandate our government policies. So most often I'll be told that by just calling somebody uh, homophobic or sexist or racist is, is very offensive to them because they've never considered that that's what they're doing. Because as long as it's justified by religion, they don't feel that that's what they are but that's exactly what they are. It doesn't matter how you came to that position. That is your that is what is happening here. And if we can separate that from politics, that's what we're trying to do and that is the work of sacred ac- activism. So, what ends up happening here is that we have to understand that there's a lot of stuff going on here. And We need to make sure that when we get ready to push back on someone, that we are not doing it through the filter of our shadow. So my friends, we're getting ready to take another left turn, so get ready for this. Now, I realize we're taking another left turn here, but this is very important, especially for those of you who have reached out to me to say, I want to use my voice. I want to do it in a way that's as as impactful and meaningful as you and as respectful as you can be, as, as I seem to be. Okay, that's all wonderful. And I appreciate that. And I'm honored that you see it that way. But also be prepared that you are you cannot be responsible for someone else's response on how you use your voice. So the first thing I always tell people is number 1, practice. So come up with your talking points that you're going to use and you practice using those and you actually say them out loud or you practice with somebody else. So you 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 what you don't want to do is get into very specifics where you're down and needling into this and that Obama did this, Trump did that, that Hillary's emails always end up coming back into that kinds of conversations and they're ridiculous. But what we're trying to do is make sure that we keep things at a higher level, build those bridges higher so that we're talking about, we are talking about basic human rights, people. We want the same rights for everyone in this, in this world, just as you and I enjoy. And that's really hard to argue. And it makes people think about what exactly their, their 
views how they are oppressing people because sometimes they don't even know. They know that they want to believe that being gay is sin or all these things, but they don't realize sometimes how that even translates into the political environment. So as I said right before um, I got off on this little tangent is that we have to make sure that how we're responding is not through our own shadow. Now, I'm not going to have time to get into a lot about the shadow, but basically what the shadow is, is your ability to understand that each one of us has a dark side. Of course, we want to live in our light side, um, the way we show up in the world kind, funny, giving, compassionate, loving, nurturing, whatever those are, we try to see those and you recognize them in other people. So when you look at, when you see somebody and say, oh, they're so kind, oh, they're so thoughtful, you know what to recognize because you know what thoughtful is. You know what kindness is because it's in you. That very same thing, beloved, where you're able to see the kindness in someone, you can also see the hatred. You can see the fear, you can see the jealousy, you can see the greed because those elements are in us. And what we have to make sure is that when we are recognizing the fact that we have a dark side, we have a shadow, then we realize how much how much control they have over us. Once we accept that we have it, we all have them, my friends. The denial of it only means that more than likely your shadow has something there that is controlling you. So when you use your voice in, in to speak up and someone says something back at you to trigger, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to find the crack in your armor. I have them as well as you do. And all I'm trying to do is put enough intention and mindfulness into my responses, into what I'm doing to make sure that I am never responding from a place of being triggered. And that takes time. And do I always miss, do I always do that perfectly? No, I don't. There are often times where I do respond from a place of trigger and I regret that. Uh, sometimes I, I will read a comment that I think was being negative and then I find out later that it wasn't and I'll apologize. And I don't know whether that person will stay around to whether there's any kind of restoration of uh, relationship to the point where they will stay around as a follower. But the least I can do is apologize and let them decide on their own what they want to do. There's nothing else I can do about that. So that's something, again, that you need to make sure that you're aware of your shadow, you're aware of your brokenness, because a lot of times, if we're not, they show up when we start to step into some kind of activism. And that same kind of shadow can also be preventing you from using your voice because of how we are indoctrinated into into uh, our lives in different ways. So now, there. once again, this is, this is another important trait. And yes, we're talking about sacred activism, but for you and I who have, who, we're, we're talking about kindness now, okay? But we're also talking about sacred activism. The reason we're concerned about how we're going to be perceived is because we've been trained to be concerned about how we're going to be perceived. I read two or three articles about this just getting ready for this podcast. And most of, often, psychologists pointed to home environment or professional uh, 
indoctrinations that influenced you. So you knew like in your home environment, you never, you never talked back to your father. You never pressed up against any of his beliefs, or maybe you never, uh, when you were with your grandparents or some kind of family dynamic, you just knew that your voice didn't matter. So you, that's the condition. So anytime that you come up against something that you don't agree with, it's going to go through that filter of experience. And it's going to be very hard for you to break through it until you learn that that's the indoctrination. That's the experience. Your, your body, your mind, your ego, everything is, is now rising up to protect you and saying, don't do that because you know what happens when you use your voice. Same goes in professional environments. If you have a boss who's not willing to hear reasonable suggestions or pushback or alternatives to how to do things and they're they are operating from their shadow they don't know it but yeah you are beholden to it because they're they're your superior you are conditioned to not use your voice to mute what you truly feel because they're not open to it but i was very surprised at how all those articles that I read, not one of them mentioned the indoctrination of religion. And most of us, a lot of people who follow me, you and I have that indoctrination. Many of you are spiraling out of organized religion. You are on a spiritual but not religious path now. You're healing from some type of religious trauma, but that element could still be there. So even though you you haven't gone to church in years and you're healing from religious trauma, We don't know how much of our essence, our being is still going through those experiences. And I know they still, every once in a while, another one will rise up for me. So as as a person that was in indoctrinated into church, I was taught that my questions proved I had a lack of faith. That when I pushed back on an interpretation of scripture because I read something else that contradicted that or my own research contradicted what I was being taught, I was told I was a doubting Thomas. And so all these things that would be planted in my head that basically said if I did not accept 100% what was being spoon-fed from me from the pulpit, I was the problem. I'm the one who had the problem. I needed to learn to silence my voice and only accept what was being told to me from the church leadership. That's truly indoctrination, and we cannot dismiss what impact that is having on us, especially those of us who are now leaving organized religion and want to still show up in the world to be a part of the sacred healing that needs that needs to happen. So just be mindful of those things. So yes, you can be kind and you can be an ally. You can use your voice, but it's not our responsibility to try to convince the people to whom we're speaking that they can't be offended by it. We cannot take ownership of that. When we step up and say, this is the way I see the world, and this is what the way I feel that as as a person of, of that's seeking a spiritual path, that's seeking to do good in this world, this is the way I think it. I interpret it. Someone's going to give you pushback on that. Someone's going to be offended. If we're all we're doing is worried about how we are how we are acquiescing to the world, my friends, we're not going to get anywhere. Those who live in some kind of fear-based knowledge, fear-based ideology, fear-based theology, they will indeed stay in power. They will indeed ensure that this perpetuation of this institution that says 
that equates religious freedom to enforcing politics and having a hold of politics that will continue to marginalize our our uh, black brothers and sisters and indigenous people and our people of color as well as the LGBTQ humans, we we will always have something like that that will have an element inside this this our our government. So how are we going to use our voices and empower our our ourselves and like-minded people so that we can elevate this? the awareness of what needs to happen. Okay, my friends, that was a big, big left turn. Let's come back and let's close this out by just talking a little bit about sacred activism. So now we know that we need to, we know that we've got work, our inner work to do to just step into sacred activism, no matter what it is you're going to do. I I don't care if it's about cleaning up the roadways to helping animals, to cleaning up, whatever it is, my friends, make sure you're doing it from a place of healing inside yourself so that you can come to this, this work as, as, as fully present and fully stepping into your authenticity because that's what it needs. So what we need to make sure is that we are working this from that plate, holding on to that place of sacredness because the sacred activist is embodied in the words of Jesus. When Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself, if we truly do this, then we all should be on the path of the sacred activist. And that's not just mission work halfway across the world where we're giving water. Yes, that can be good. That's also been misused. We're talking about in our hometowns where we know people are hurting where we know there's things that need to be done. Jesus' words, there's no exceptions, my friends. There's no excuses. There is no asterisk at the end of that to make excuses for not compelling us into activism that can change the human condition, that can heal this world. Okay, beloveds, I know that was a lot. And I, I again, I want to just, I feel like there's so much here that there is an invitation here for you to understand that number one, you matter. Number two, the call of your heart, the call on your soul is sacred and it's meaningful. It, uh, it's coming from a place of your divine connection that's inside you. And when we step into that, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to agree with you. That doesn't make it any less sacred or holy. But when we show up by also working on our inner selves, we can show up as authentic and, and true to ourselves as possible, then we will see not only change in, in, in helping heal this world, but also change in ourselves. Because it does require us to accept the fact that we have a shadow, that we have triggers, that our light is just as important as our darkness. The universe gives us all that wisdom and how this, the seasons change and why we have light and dark and rest and energy. It's all there. It's all contained inside you. So spend some time with that and consider what is your fear for using your voice? What is your fear? What keeps you in this place, locked up in this place of Fear that if you use your voice, you're going to be seen as not being kind. 
because the world needs you, my friend. Healed, holy, and just remember that. You are loved just as you are, and we need you here working on this today. All right, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace, be in peace, and go in love, and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Now, blessings on your week. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at Rev Carla and Instagram, and also sign up for my blog at RevCarla.com. Bye for now.